exclusive on the production. Your experience just got serious. Season two. Yes. Back in the building, back in the flesh. Couple days away from NBA trades, and a couple months away from the end of the season. Welcome to 10 on the clock. I'm Tyrone Smith. Wrong to exclusive hustle bandit, sneaker bandit, four point island, lock them up wrong. Daytona 360, Frotona, all that good stuff. Living in the flesh, doing it once again. Y'all already know what it is. So check it out, man. Another great week of NBA basketball, of course. It's something about doing these episodes that I'm, I'm really starting to like. It seems like every week it's something different. Now, I know the Lakers is a, a hot topic of discussion, but the Lakers are not a topic of discussion this week. <laughs> of course, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a topic of discussion this week as they made a monumental. I ain't going to say monumental. That's kind of that's kind of being dramatic, but a huge trade. A couple days ago with the Dallas Mavericks. I'll talk about that a little later. But first things first, let's start off with them numbers because them numbers was hitting this week. Another edition of what them numbers looking like. Y'all already know every day we break down each and every performer who scored at least 30 and we highlight the person who scored the most points in that particular day so we're gonna start out with monday luca the don put up 53 17 for 24 from the field 5 for 11 from 3 14 to 18 from the foul line if I'm not mistaken, I think he did that against the Pistons, which which makes it that much worse. Seven other players scored at least 30. Dame had 42. DeJounte had 40. Steph had 38. Anthony Edwards had 33. De'Aaron Fox had 32. Shea had 31. And Joel Embiid had 30. Tuesday. Jalen Brunson put up a 37 piece, going 13 for 29 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, and 9 for 9 from the free throw line. Three other players scored at least 30, led by Giannis, who put up 34, Kawhi, who put up 33, and Jamal Murray, who put up 32. Wednesday, Dame Dollar had a 42 piece. Shot 11 for 22 from the field, 5 of 13 from 3, and 15 of 16 from the foul line. Five other players scored at least 30, led by DeMontis Sabonis, who put up 34. Fred Van Vliet put up 34. Ja put up 32. And Jason Tatum and De'Aaron Fox each put up 31. Thursday! 
Giannis Antetokounmpo put up 54 points. Shot 21 for 39 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 10 of 15 from the foul line. He also added 19 rebounds in a 21-point comeback effort against the Clippers in which they won. Six additional players put up at least 30, led by Jamal Murray, who put up 33. Bam Adebayo put up 32. Darius Garland put up 32. Anthony Davis and Luka Doncic each put up 31. And R.J. Barrett put up 30. Friday, Bradley Beal put up 34 points, shot 14 for 25 from the field. 4 of 10 from the 3 point line 2 of 2 from the foul line You have 4 additional players put up at least 30 Led by Anthony Simons who put up 33 Joel Embiid also put up 33 And you have Christoph Porzingis and Fred Van Vliet each put up 32 Saturday Cam Thomas put up 44 points Shot 16 for 23 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. 13 other players scored at least 30, led by Shea Gilders who put up 42. Jamar Murray and Jalen Brunson each put up 41. Damian Lillard put up 40. Christoph Porzingis put up 38. Zach Levine put up 35, 36, I'm sorry. Giannis, Kawhi, and Brandon Ingram each put up 35. Jimmy Butler put up 32, but Anthony Davis put up 34. DeAndre Ayton put up 31, and Paul George put up 30. And Sunday, LaMelo Ball put up 33, shot 13 for 24 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, and Two other players scored at least 30 with Joel Embiid putting up 31 and Trey Murphy putting up 30. Those were the numbers that hit for this week. Now let's get into these locks of the week. All right, so locks of the week didn't go so well for me last week. I went two and four in my predictions, giving me a record of 77 and 52. Now this week, I am choosing love this week. February the 14th is Valentine's Day. Those are the games that I'm going to pick. It is also the season five debut of Gotham Coach. So if you're not subscribed to Gotham Coach, check that out on wherever you get your podcast. It's a great time over there. Much more serious. I'm sorry, it's not serious at all. Much more craziness over there than the structuredness you get over here. But it is a five-game slate on Valentine's Day, and we're gonna pick those particular games. Let's start off with the Magic and the Raptors. I'm going to take the Orlando Magic. In my game of the night, I'm going to take the Celtics to defeat the Bucks. The Sacramento Kings will defeat the Suns. 
In my lock of the night, you can give me the Clippers over the Warriors. Steph Curry is going to be out for a little minute. Probably will not play in the All-Star game, but we'll get more into the All-Star game in a second. And in my last game, upset special, you can give me the Wizards to defeat the Trailblazers. Why is this an upset? Because the Trailblazers have been playing some inspiring basketball as of late. And the Wizards just let a hugely disintegrate to the point where they lost the game. So those are my five games. Now let's get into these stories. All right, so first things first, let's let's start off with the uh, incident incident that happened Thursday with Donovan Mitchell and Dylan Brooks. Uh, that was a TNT game, and one of my least favorite commentators was was commentating that game, and that is the one and only Reggie Miller. Now, I I, I never liked Reggie Miller. It's nothing personal against Reggie Miller as a player. I just never liked him. I never liked how he shot. I never liked his jump shot. I didn't like the way he ran off screens. I don't like the way he celebrated. I don't like the way he talked. I ain't like the way he walked. Like everything about <laughs> Reggie Miller bothered me. And coming from Detroit, where uh, Detroit Indiana rivalry was heavy, because those were two teams that was always fighting for Eastern Conference supremacy. Just seeing him on the court, you, you knew he was going to get some, some late buckets, some clutch buckets, a lot of flopping and flailing. I couldn't stand Reggie Miller. But as a broadcaster, whatever issues, not issues that I didn't have with Reggie Miller, I have with him now. Because as a broadcaster, it's just, I just can't, t- I can't tolerate a Reggie Miller analyst broadcast especially when Reggie Miller is in LA or whenever the Lakers are playing and he is assigned to do the game it got so bad to one point Lakers Celtics in LA the game where they went into overtime and the Celtics ended up winning it was so bad to the point where I put my television on mute because I just didn't want to hear the I'm trying to be PG. I didn't want to hear the 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 love. There we go. I didn't want to hear the love that Reggie Miller has for LeBron James. I've been hearing it ever since LeBron has been in Miami. In fact, when I was on Twitter, I think I made a tweet about that. Neither here nor there. That was a long time ago. But Reggie Miller. In LA, just never sits right with me. I I always mute that particular game because I I just can't take it. But he was in Cleveland for the Memphis Grizzlies-Cleveland Cavaliers game in which the Cavaliers added more misery to a pretty miserable stretch that the Grizzlies have been facing as of late, including losing Sunday to the Raptors. I definitely wasn't expecting that. Now, it was an instance... With 5.48 left in the third quarter And the Grizzlies was only down 5 Donovan Mitchell drives to the lane And Dylan Brooks nut checks him And rolls it to his ankle 
which prompted Donovan Mitchell to politely throw the ball in his face, and a skirmish occurred. Now, first things first, shout out to the assistant coach who should be playing for the Tennessee Titans instead of being a coach for the Memphis Grizzlies because he tackled the 6'7", 225-pound Dylan Brooks to the ground as if he was a lightweight. So shout out to that coach. I wonder, I got to find out who that coach is because he, he deserves a shot on the Tennessee Titans practice squad. Neither here nor there. But what got me was the fact that Reggie Miller, the great Reggie Miller himself said that the play looked it incidental. What? As if Dylan Brooks did not mean to nut check him and roll into his ankle. Incidental is a pass hitting you in your face because the person you was passing to wasn't expecting it. Incidental is when you're fighting for a rebound and you go up in the air and somebody's foot is already right there where you're landing and somebody twists your ankle. That's incidental. Looking at a person, then hitting them in their balls, only and then to roll into their ankle. That's not incidental. Speaking of balls, what? Shout out to Manscaped. Promo code wrong to exclusive 25% off and free shipping. Manscaped. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Give me that money! But that's not incidental. Now, Donovan Mitchell comes out and he says that, you know, he's been busting his butt for a long period of time, so he wouldn't expect no other record from Dylan Brooks. Now, to be fair to Dylan Brooks, Donovan Mitchell only had six points. He shot two of four eleven from the field, and his two the two field goals were three pointers. So Dylan Brooks did a pretty good job with holding Donovan Mitchell in check and busting his butt. In ten games that they played against each other, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, Dylan Brooks. In an NBA where it's just so common to score 30 at this point, Donovan Mitchell only averages 20 points. He shoots 42% from the field, 40% from three, and 85 percent from the foul line. His teams are six and four against the Grizzlies because Dylan Brooks has only played for the Grizzlies. So he has a winning percentage, but the numbers aren't really that impressive. They're good, but they're not. I bust his butt every time impressive, you know. We need to start a boycott to get Reggie Miller off of TNT. I would take Chris Webber as a as a as an analyst, then I will Reggie Miller. I will take Dennis Scott as an analyst over Reggie Miller. A lot of people like him. I just I I, I don't like him. I don't like him when he broadcasts LA games. I just I just don't like hearing Reggie Miller because it's just like it's like listening to Shaq sometimes like yeah he's a great player and all that but sometimes just just listening to him it, it's, it's, it's hard to do same with Charles it's, it's hard to do you, you understand their greatness but listening to them talk about basketball or you know or talk about certain players it's just hard to do sometimes Reggie Miller It's hard to do All the time I never Listen to a Reggie Miller broadcast Where I say Hey he did pretty good 
analyzing that game. It's always been terrible. But on another note, Memphis. Y'all about to get it together, man. And why is why why Memphis always into these little skirmishes now? They had a skirmish with players from the Pacers. They had this skirmish with the Cavs. They had one with the Lakers. Apparently, Jot, his crew, it was a red dot on him. Some of the Pacers players indicating somebody may have had that thing on him. Like, Memphis is turning into what the Trailblazers was at one point in time. I would not be surprised if you start to see some of their players getting into some serious trouble off the court. Because they act like some thugs, but they're young. This is this is the one thing about being great when you're young. Because when you do things when you're young, can't nobody tell you nothing. You feel invincible. You feel like you can do whatever you want, and because you're young, people will overlook it and say, well, that's just a lack of immaturity. They need to get it together. This is why I think it is so imperative to have veteran leadership in the locker room. Like Miami has with Udonis Haslam. Yes, he's been robbing the Miami Heat for paychecks for many, many years. But just to have that veteran presence, that OG veteran presence in the locker room makes it that much more important. Hold players accountable. That's what I think what Steven Adams is doing. I think he's that guy. And you're starting to see the Memphis Grizzlies like a totally different team without Steven Adams. They've only won one game since Steven Adams has been out with injury. That goes, that tells you a lot. That tells you that you need some veteran leadership in there to tell these young boys that they need to get their act together. Because they're what they're 30, they're 32 and 21 right now. They just lost again. They're 32 and 21. If they don't get it together, it's gonna be bad. And it's all going to be held on Taylor Jenkins because you always got to look at the head man when collapses like this happen. So if they don't get it together, they're going to cost Taylor Jenkins his job. And I, I, I truly mean that. Let's get into these all-star reserves because they were announced last Thursday as well. In addition to the incident in Cleveland. So for the East. Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, and DeMar DeRozan. For the West, DeMontis Sabonis, Lori Markkinen, Shea Gildress-Alexander, Damian Lillard, Jaron Jackson Jr., Paul George, and Ja Morant. Now, my take on this is mixed. Because for the West, it really was no surprise I got six of the seven players being in there. I did not expect for Jaron Jackson Jr. to be in there. For me, I was kind of leaning between Anthony Edwards and I was kind of going towards Aaron Gordon. The only reason I was going towards Aaron Gordon was because you had to have at least three forwards. The guards was kind of locked up. And Aaron Gordon has had a great year for a Denver team that is number one in the West. I also did Anthony Edwards because I put Anthony Edwards as a forward in my in my position, which would have cemented him as one of the three forwards to get in. Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't know. I do do does Memphis really deserve two all-stars over Denver? I don't think so. 
Does Jaron Jackson Jr. deserve it over Aaron Gordon? I don't think so. He missed a good part of the early season. Yes, he's come back and he's he's doing his thing in terms of being a defender. But Aaron Gordon has been consistent from the start. From game one to game whatever game we on now. He's been consistent from that point until where we are right now. That's why I would have put Aaron Gordon in over Jaron Jackson Jr. I felt Denver should have had at least two, not Memphis, but here nor there. It's it's a, it's a solid list. It's a solid list. I think. For the East, you could have made a legitimate argument that Pascal Siakam should have been the all-star over Bam Adebayo. Pascal, at this point, was averaging 25 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 47% from the field, 31% from three, 76% from the line. Bam... Average a double-double, 21 and 10, 4 assists, 54%, 10% from 3. I had to put that in there. And 79% from the line. But what kind of hinders me with Bam Adebayo is the fact that Miami has two other scorers that score at least 20. For the most part, Pascal Siakam has been the one and only guy leading the charge in Toronto. Now, yes, they're out of it right now. They're out of the they're out of the hunt right now, but they're still in the hunt. And a lot of people didn't really have them in the hunt. Toronto was one of them teams that I was kind of iffy about because all of the teams in the East had got better. Toronto was still kind of like still in the fold and still having their players. I didn't know if that was going to be a good thing or a bad thing for them. Right now, it's turning out to not be so good. But Pascal Siakam. Whenever Fred Van Vliet is hurt or Gary Trent isn't doing whatever or OG having an off night or Scotty Barnes, he has propelled them to the point where they are still in games. So that's why I would have had, I would have, I would have put Pascal in over Bale personally. Another one was Drew Holiday. Now, this is another one of them situations where you look at it and you say, does Milwaukee deserve two All-Stars? Eh, I don't know. But Drew Holiday was another intriguing one. Because you could have made the argument for guys like Jalen Brunson, who averaged 22, three rebounds, six assists, shot 46% from the field, 39% from three, and 84% from the line. You could have made an argument for James Harden, who's averaging a double-double, 21 and 11, shooting 44, 39, and 86. Trey Young. His numbers look good, but his efficiency is terrible. 42% from the field, 32% from three. Not that, not, not really all that great. So there's other guys that you could have made arguments for over Drew Holiday. But Drew Holiday <clears throat> is a defender, one of the best two-way players in the league. So when you look at coaches, coaches think different than other than what players and like analysts like myself think. I think the defensive aspect of what Drew Holiday provides is what got him into the All-Star game. Because when you look at the numbers comparable, his numbers aren't really that great. He's a better rebounder than uh, Jalen Brunson and Trey Young. And he averages more assists than Jalen Brunson. But his shooting splits, 46, 36, and 85... I mean, they're decent, but 
I don't I don't know, but I don't know. I you you I guess you couldn't go wrong, but Jalen Brunson and James Harden definitely I feel have better all around numbers. That should have put them in there. And last but not least was DeMar DeRozan. Now he is shooting averaging 26, four rebounds, five assists, 50%, 32%, 88%. But I think DeMar DeRozan was a wild card. And I think Pascal could have been the guy over DeRozan. Chicago is 10th in the East. Toronto is 11th. So, neither here nor there. And then Chicago got Zach Levine. So, I think the opportunities for DeRozan to cook are better than what what Siakam has because... Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Zach Levine or Fred Van Vliet? Would you rather have Zach Levine or OG Ananobi? Would you rather have Scotty Barnes? He's a he's a great talent, but you know, to me, he's been up and down this year. So, I think Siakam got snubbed. I think Brunson got snubbed, but I don't think they would have put two two Knicks in there because the Knicks are only the seventh seed in the East. So I don't think a seventh seed would have got two All Stars. But that's my thoughts and opinions. I mean, you gonna have some guys that's gonna be replaced. Steph, like I said earlier, he's gonna miss some time. Kevin Durant, pretty sure he might not play in the All Star game. Zion may be a question mark, and then there may be some injuries along the way. You hope not, but it may be. So there's opportunity for guys to still get in. I like the new format where they get to pick the teams at the actual game instead of doing the the little show where they pick them. Like, I think like a week or two before the actual game, like they actually pick them like you pick them in the pickup game. What it be dope is <laughs> you do away with the tip off and you let them shoot for first ball. You, I don't know, I don't know if who would get. I think it would be whoever get the most, uh, whoever had the most votes, they'll get the first pick. But once you pick, you should let them shoot for first ball. I think that'd be dope. Kind of take it back to the street ball days when we used to play out there on the street. And last but not least, I said I was going to talk about it. Here I am talking about it. Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks along with Markeith Morris for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first and two second round picks. Shout out to Dallas. I'm going to just say that. Shout out to Dallas. And the reason I say shout out to Dallas is because I want you to look at the year that they had when they went to the conference finals, right? And when Jalen Brunson was in the starting lineup with Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson in that playoff run averaged 21 points, four rebounds, three assists, shot 46% from the field, 34% from three, 80% from the foul line. In 74 career playoff games that Kyrie Irving has played in, he's averaging 23 points, 3.7 rebounds, 4.8 assists, shoots 45% from the field, 38% from the three, 81% from the line. The best thing that happened to Dallas was when they put Jalen Brunson in the starting lineup because he was able to cook on his own and he was able to get Luka Doncic off of the ball. When Luka Doncic had to go to the bench to get rest, 
Jalen Brunson was still able to be in there with the second unit or whatever unit they had out there. And he was still able to cook to the point where Dallas was still either still in games or they were leading games and Luka could come in and he can close the game out. Kyrie's putting up 27-5-5 and this year. 48% from the field, 37% from three, and 88% from the line. Kyrie has been playing off of the ball for a lot of years now. You got to think, he played off the ball with LeBron. He played off the ball with Kevin Durant, and he was effective. Why wouldn't he be able to be effective with Luka, who is a willing passer, in addition to be able to get his own office and do other things like that? Marquise Morris being thrown into the deal. They get an enforcer. It's going to be kind of weird because Marcus Morris and Luka has been kind of having their issues for a little minute. And I don't know how that'll play out. I'm guessing Marquise is going to have to now be that enforcer for Luka. When do Dallas and Denver play each other? Because that's going to be another intriguing aspect about it too. Because Marquise is now back in the Western Conference. And he's going to have to play Nikola Jokic. And remember the last time? Remember what happened when them two got together the last time? Interesting. Also, for Dallas. Let me just say this for Dallas. This is a perfect opportunity for Josh Green. Josh Green now has to play that Dorian Finney-Smith role. He's shooting 41% from the three this year. If he can keep that number right around that average and be able to take more threes and keep it around that average, good look for Dallas. Now for the Nets, you get Dinwiddie back. He had his best seasons as a pro, as a member of the Nets. He was doing he was doing well playing second fiddle to Luka Doncic. He's going to have to do the same thing with Kevin Durant. He was starting to find his rhythm as a member of the Dallas Mavericks. So I think he's going to be able to continue to find that rhythm as a member of the Nets. I don't think much will change in terms of his importance to what the team needs from him. I think he's still going to be that second guy. He's going to be that lead guard now. And he's still going to be a second, third option, especially with Cam Thomas, the way Cam Thomas is coming on. If Cam can play just a little bit of defense just 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 give the notion that you want to play some defense you see what he's been doing you see the 44 piece he put up he put up 47 he put up a 47 piece yesterday that's another conversation for next week but you see he's a bucket he's a certified bucket in the league where buckets are easy to obtain so shout out Dorian Finney-Smith is a, is the underrated player in this in this trade. Gives the Nets another active long wing defender who can shoot the three. Brooklyn has a nice rotation of of, of, of wing guys between Finney-Smith, T.J. Warren, you know Ben Simmons. I mean he's out right now, but you know you could throw Ben Simmons in the mix. Kevin Durant. I mean they have a lot of they have a solid. A solid team. I don't know if it's championship, but they have a solid team that can make some noise once all of the pieces come back and once players find their roles. This can be a solid team that can make a lot of noise in the Eastern Conference, in my personal opinion. 
if I have to give a grade, I give Dallas an A. Because look, if it don't work out, it don't work out. Kyrie, he'll be gone. They'll have cap space. They'll be able to find that second superstar for Luka. So this little rental, it could possibly work benefits for the Dallas Mavericks. And for Brooklyn, I give them a B just because they, they're losing Kyrie. Kevin Durant is pretty much going to be on his own now. But I always talk about with trades like this when people always want to downplay the other side of a trade. Like if a superstar get traded to a team, they always hype that team up and try to downplay the players that was traded to the other side. This is an opportunity. Spencer Dinwiddie's finding himself from that ACL injury. This is his opportunity to regain his form. Dorian Finney-Smith, this is his opportunity to show that he can be one of the better 3 and D guys in the league. It's a lot of opportunity out there in Brooklyn. I hope that them, I hope that them dudes take it. And Dallas, I think they probably submitted themselves as a championship contender, at least for this season. But it's going to be contingent on other players now having to step up in roles that they may not have had at one point in time before this trade took place. And that is the episode. I appreciate y'all rocking out with me as always. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns for coming into Little Caesars Arena, putting the smack down on the Pistons once again. DeAndre Ayton once again had a great game against the Pistons. What else is new? Shout out to Austin Rivers and Mo Bamba for the fight. The funniest fight of the season so far. Austin Rivers got three games. Mo Bamba got four games in a quite entertaining bout. Otherwise, imagine watching a Magic Timberwolves game. It's it's just not there. Shout out to Four Point Island Merch. Hell yeah. We'll be dropping this summer because we strictly here for the defense. And you know what? I actually paid somebody to come up with a, a slogan and it wasn't that great. But I'm we strictly here for the defense. I like that. I just came up with that. I like that. And last but not least, Vegas. I'm coming back. I'm coming home, baby. Summer League in the WNBA All-Star Game. I will be in attendance. I cannot wait. That is actually my birthday weekend. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun indeed. But once again, I appreciate y'all rocking out with me. I'm Tyrone Smith. Wrong to exclusive hustle band. It's Nicky Bandit 41 Island. Lock them up. Wrong. Daytona 360. Oh, trade deadline. It's Thursday. My plan is to do a live a live reaction of the trade deadline. I don't know how that's going to work. If it does not work out the way that I want it to work out Friday, I will record my reactions to the trade deadline. I will break down each trade as much as I possibly can, and we'll go from there. You can check that out on We Gonna See. Another show that's in the in the pot. So there you go. But I appreciate y'all rocking out with me, man. I will holler at y'all in a couple of days. But I will see y'all on 10 on the clock next week.
Hey.